reports, they can wait a couple of hours. What do you say we go out tonight? Any place you want. The coffee shop? You got it, buddy. I'll call George. Hello, and welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we're taking a deep dive into Monk's Cafe, as we'll be discussing the excruciating minutia of every single daily event that took place there. Yeah, and we'll also be joined later by Troy, who's a friend of the show and a huge Seinfeld fan. He's also the owner of Soul Brewed Coffee Roasters, and we'll be discussing some of our favorite coffee moments with him from the series. But before we get into our discussion about monks, I just wanted to say that we received an email from one of our listeners a while back who suggested this topic to us. And unfortunately, I can't find the email anywhere. But if that person is listening, please let us know, because we'd like to thank you. And of course, we always encourage our listeners to send us ideas for topics that we can talk about. And if there's something that's really interesting to you that you want us to do a deep dive on, please let us know. Now, the first coffee shop that Jerry and George appear in is not Monk's. Do you remember what the name of it was? Yeah, it was Pete's Luncheonette, I believe. Yes, of course. <laughs> the first and only time we see them there. Yeah, I wonder what ever happened to that place. I don't know, because George mentions in the soup that they've been going to Monk's for seven years. And that episode aired in 1994, so that would mean that they've been going to Monk's since 1987. But the first time we see them at Monk's is in the robbery. If you go by the DVD order, the first time we see them is in Mail on Bonding when Jerry is with Joel and Joel is yelling at the waitress about the turkey. And that waitress was played by Anita Wise, who we interviewed last year. Yes, friend of the show, Anita Wise. Yeah, she was great. And she told us that her character was originally supposed to be married to the owner of Monks. But they eventually changed that. And then we see her later on in the robbery taking the apartment that Jerry and George turned down. Monks must pay their waitresses pretty well if she could afford that nice apartment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're aware of the proximity to the park. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry and Larry called the coffee shop Monks because there was a poster of the American pianist Thelonious Monk in their office. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is really cool. I always thought that was a good name for it, Monks. It's just very simple and you know, you're not quite sure where it comes from. And they don't often refer to it as that. It's usually just referred to as the coffee shop. Right. And we can't forget Reggie's, which was, of course, the Bizarro coffee shop. <laughs> Look at this. They make a point of saying on the menu, no egg white omelets. No what? Have a yolk. It won't kill you. <laughs> and we also can't forget that they don't have a big salad. That's right. I can bring you two small salads. Do you have a big bowl? We don't have big bowls. <laughs> but getting back to the robbery, which is technically the first episode we see them at Monk's, if you go by the Netflix order. The first scene is when George is coming out of the bathroom and he's like, I love the mirror in that bathroom. I don't know what the hell it is. I look terrific in that mirror. I don't know if it's the tile or the lighting. I feel like Robert Wagner in there. <laughs> Great little George moment. And uh, I wonder if George takes off his shirt to go to the bathroom at Monk's. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, because, you know, he does it at Jerry's apartment. So all the way off, baby. And that got me thinking, do we ever see any of the characters in the bathroom at Monk's? I can only think of one time. Yeah, it's probably the same time I'm thinking of in the stall. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Although in the outing, uh, don't Jerry and George come out of the bathroom at the same time? I mean, we don't see them in there, but. 
Oh, yeah. There's a few times when they go in and out of the bathroom, but I'm talking about like we actually see a scene in the bathroom at Monk's. I think that's the only time. Mm, okay. The look of Monk's in season one was a little different compared to the rest of the series. There's a burger sign on the back right wall, which would eventually get replaced by a picture of silverware, which would remain there for most of the series. There's no blue clock on the back wall yet, and there's two payphones, which would eventually change to one by season two. Which kind of dates the show a little bit. It's interesting to have the, the payphones back there, because that's something that uh, definitely doesn't exist in too many establishments anymore, if any. I also noticed that the tables are a different color, and they're numbered, which goes away by the next season. I don't think uh, any of the tables are numbered going forward. No, I don't think so either. And we see the waitresses wearing their uniforms for the first time in the episode, The Stock Tip. And speaking of the stock tip, uh, George smokes a cigar at Monk's in that episode. Yeah, that's really interesting that they allow him to do that. He's just casually smoking a cigar. And uh, obviously, much later in the abstinence, we see that Kramer gets kicked out of Monk's for smoking a cigar. But I don't know how many times we actually see characters smoking inside there. You know, obviously, George, we see in that early season. But uh, after that, I'm not quite sure. What, 8,000? It's a Hyundai. (laughs) (laughs) So don't finish it. She's full. (laughs) Yeah, the only other times I could think of them smoking at Monk's was, I believe Kramer was smoking in the barber when he's like, I wouldn't let that other butcher cut my hair. Oh, you're right. Yes. And I also think he's smoking a pipe in the gum. Yeah, he has a pipe in his mouth. I don't know if it's actually like lit or if he just yeah. has it, you know, in his mouth for for show. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think he tries to light it at one point, but maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know. But yeah, that's the only two times I could think of. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the episode, The Abstinence, when Kramer gets kicked out for smoking. Come on, Larry, you know me. It bothers people and it's against the law. <laughs> and Larry is, of course, the owner of Monk's. Course. I'm actually not sure if he was the owner. It, it has him listed as that on some websites that I went on, but I know he's definitely probably the main cook. Yeah, I always pictured him as like either the head chef or like the manager or something like that, that he's just been there with that place through a slew of owners, you know, and he's always that's why he's kind of just a, a grumpy, angry guy is having to deal with all these people all day and working in the restaurant industry and just never you know, never being the top banana, but always being the guy that has to take care of all the operations at the restaurant for better or worse. And, you know, clean up all the messes, literally and figuratively. Yeah, that makes sense, because we see the new management come in in the pilot episode. Exactly. Mr. Vazaki. <laughs> now, Larry appeared in six episodes of the series. The first episode he appeared in was the outing when George is like, no, I will not keep my voice down. Nothing can make me keep my voice down. If you boys can't control yourselves, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. (laughs) And he turns and shows his earring. (laughs) (laughs) He makes another great appearance in The Wife when he catches Jerry and Merrill using their own maple syrup. Oh, that's great, too. Yeah. We don't allow any outside syrups, jams or condiments in the restaurant. And if I catch you in here with that again, I will confiscate it. I I told my wife not to bring it. (laughs) 
Can you think of any other examples where they bring some outside item into the coffee shop? Well, one of the best ones is George brings an outside cucumber. Of course. <laughs> they don't put cucumbers in the salad. I need cucumber. <laughs> and it always, I mean, it's such a great line, and I probably just picked that because it's funny, but it's like, why does George need cucumber out of everything? <laughs> like, why is that the one thing that's lacking out of the monk salad? He likes cucumber. <laughs> but getting back to larry there's also in the soup when george keeps calling monks to get kelly fired and he's like hey yeah i got a message for you you tell your friend george that the next time i see him around here i'm gonna turn him into my own personal hand puppet Larry <laughs> <laughs> to just make those great faces yeah. yeah he seems to really dislike george more than anyone else yeah also, I don't think he has any lines in the soup Nazi, but in that scene when they're all making out, you know, with the schmoopy stuff, it looks like he's coming over to the table to, and he's about to say something, but they cut the scene before we even see what happens. I was going to say, I think, yeah, there was deleted dialogue where he was going to come up and tell them that, like, if they couldn't control their hormones, they'd have to leave, you know, <laughs> something obviously very similar to, like, the outing or something right. like that, but... What about in the abstinence when Elaine gives Larry roses after Carlito passes out and she tells him Ben really wishes he could have helped. Thought he was a doctor. Oh, he is uh, kind of. I mean, I call him doctor. (laughs) But the next employee we have to mention is, of course, Ruthie Cohen, the cashier. Yes. Appeared on screen in the most episodes of the show. Yeah. Over 100 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just amazing because most of the time, obviously, she was in the background, just kind of doing her thing. She didn't really get a big role until the gum. And she knocked it out of the park in that. Uh, I love her in that episode. (laughs) She made her first appearance in the season four premiere episode, The Trip. And like you said, probably her biggest episode was The Gum. And I just like in the beginning when George is like, you think she's happy? Ruthie Cohen? You know her name? Yeah. I don't think I've ever spoken to her. Maybe that's why she's happy. (laughs) I like when Ruthie lets George check for the $20 bill and he can't find it and he's walking out of the coffee shop. He's like, you think I'm going to forget about this? I haven't forgotten about this. I don't forget that easily. (laughs) Now, George tells Jerry that he's never spoken to Ruthie Cohen, but he did speak to Donna, who was the original cashier in the first two seasons of the show. That's right. Yeah, I believe it's in the apartment that George calls her by name. Yeah, he says, see you later, Donna, after he's paying his bill. Yeah. So I wonder if, like, George and Donna had this, rela- had this you know, good rapport, this relationship. And maybe off screen, Ruthie Cohen came in later after Donna left. And, you know, George never liked her and she never liked George. And there was always a problem and finally came to a head in the gum, you know, where George thinks she stole $20 from him. Yeah, that makes sense. Season three, there was like a lot of different cashiers coming in and out. And then season four was pretty much from then on was Ruthie. Of course. But then we also have Olive from The Pie, who was just really great. And uh, too bad we only have the one episode with her. But it seems like she was working with Ruthie. You know, so she might have like worked the morning shift. Ruthie might have come in in the afternoon or something like that because like, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, and Ruthie kind of shakes, you know, nods her head. Oh, yeah, I I love the stuff that she has with Kramer in that episode. So great. Oh, yeah. 
I know we'll probably eventually do Kramer's girlfriends, but uh, she was probably one of the best fits for Kramer. Like they both kind of were just off kilter and, you know, really uh, just perfect for each other. You got to see the way she works her nails across my back. She's a maestro. The crisscross, the figure eight, strumming the old banjo. And then this wild, savage, free for all where anything could happen. First person we see that Kramer calls maestro. Right. Now, we mentioned that we interviewed Anita Wise, who played the waitress in season one. We also interviewed Peggy Lane way back in our fifth episode. She was the stand in for Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and she played a waitress at Monk's. What's a ball soup? That would be me. <laughs> yeah, Peggy was great. I mean, not to say that Anita wasn't. Obviously, she was great, too. But I really remember Peggy having a lot of great stories and you know, just talking to us about the subtleties of playing a waitress on the show. Yeah, I remember when she told us about filming that scene with the matzo ball soup and how she couldn't get the timing down right. She kept being late to the table. And then I think at one point she spilled like hot soup all over her hand or something. Yep, I remember that. Another great scene she was in was when she asks George and Susan if they want more coffee. And George is like, no, check. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know we'll be talking about that probably more later, but that's one of that's one of the coffee moments I have written down. (laughs) Oh, of course. Also, one of the things that Peggy told us that I loved was that they would have charity auction people come in on the show and sit in the booths at Monk's, especially towards the end of the series. I thought I thought that was kind of cool, like knowing that the people sitting behind Jerry and George or whoever is in that scene was like a charity auction person. Yeah, not only were they somebody donating money for a good cause for a chance to be on the show, but they were also such big fans of the show that that would be uh, something, an experience that they would basically you know pay all this money for and it is interesting to watch like the people behind them while they're going on all these adventures and they're going through all these different plot lines that we know and love and then you have people that are sitting in the booths kind of you know the world is going by them and you know you just want to like take them and say put down that newspaper you're witnessing history here you know (laughs) even though they're actors but it's just uh it's just amazing because that's how it is in New York. You know, you could have people at, at one table that are going, you know, talking about big salads and egg wine omelets. And then you're just at the other table just reading your newspaper. Exactly. Now, there were a bunch of other waitresses that worked at Monks as well. I don't think we'll be able to name them all, but we'll mention a few more. There was also the waitress who gave George the finger. Yes, who she is Julia Louis-Dreyfus's half-sister in real life. Yeah. Yeah, and she's great in that episode. <laughs> I'll check. <laughs> yeah. She was actually in eight episodes of the series. Yeah, she had a pretty big role. Because I think she's also the one in The English Patient, too, when Elaine is lamenting over having to watch that movie. And she's like, really? I thought it was pretty good. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. She's also in that scene in The Foundation when Jerry is talking to the staff at Monk's. That's so great. <laughs> Yeah, and I believe Larry is there, Ruthie Cohen's there, and Peggy Lane is also there. Yeah, and another great uh, Ruthie Cohen performance. And Larry, obviously, is just wonderful. (laughs) Okay, question number eight. What if I told you my fiancé left me for another man? Does that make me more likable, less likable, as likable? Let's start over here this time. (laughs) (laughs) 
And by the way, later on in that episode, when Jerry is at Monk's talking to George on the phone and he's like, your widower story tested through the roof. If you pause that scene real quick, when they're giving Jerry the thumbs up, you can see the fourth wall behind them, which is very strange. It's an angle of Monk's we don't usually see. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because they never have the camera positioned from that side. Also, what is the deal with that scene? Because I guess it's is it after Monk's closes? Because it's just like they're all sitting around and Jerry's like asking him these questions and they're more than willing to do it. I guess, you know, he spends enough money there that they don't care. And Larry's the only one that's that's like, can we get out of here? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to bring that up, too. I think it's just like really late in the day, like they're about to close or something like that. It reminds me of like in the dog when it's just Elaine and George in the coffee shop. Or even that scene we talked about already with George and Susan in the coffee shop when he's like, no, Jack, please. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to I was thinking the same thing. But anyway, who are some of the other people that come to mind who worked at Monks? Well, one that always sticks out in my mind, of course, is the Portuguese waitress. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite, uh, favorite George plot lines. And it's just, you know, so great when he's speaking Portuguese with her. And uh, I love how quickly it escalates from him studying at the table. And then she's like, oh, Mas Cafe, I'll see him, you know. You're just pouring the coffee, giving that little smile, and then boom, <laughs> everything <Yeah>. fell apart. <laughs> and doesn't he order a big salad for Elaine in Portuguese? Yes, he does, yeah. grande. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Muy obrigado, senor. Don't mention it. There's a few waitresses in The Wizard that I loved. Like when Elaine calls her sister and she's like, sister? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Elaine's like, it's okay. My boyfriend is black. Here he comes right now. He's black. I'm black. Aren't you? I'll give you a few minutes to decide. <laughs> <laughs> or what about the other waitress who's like, are you black? Or should I bring some cream? And he's like, I'm black. You know what? Bring a little cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Of course, there's uh, the famous or infamous Kelly from Monks. Oh, yeah. And, uh, goes goes for a walk with George. You know, boyfriend's a real watch freak. <laughs> you think she thinks I have a beautiful face or is she just saying that? Well, they do work on tips. George, don't make me get tough of you. <laughs> Who says that? She is really cool. What do you think? You think she likes me? Should have gone with the omelet. <laughs> Classic Jerry. Well, we can't forget. <laughs> Paco. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Jerry, I just found a rubber band in my soup. Oh, I know who's cooking today. <laughs> I love how the uh, cleanliness and the quality of monks always comes into question every once in a while. One wonders what brings you into a crummy little coffee shop like this. <laughs> well, what about Babu? Oh, yeah. How can we forget? Like I said before, monks must pay their people pretty well because Babu can afford an apartment in Jerry's building and what they're paying him to yeah. be a busboy. Speaking of busboys, what about he's the busboy? You think he cares about the soup? <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> There's also the one at the end of the busboy. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we talked a little bit about the look of monks and how different it was in season one. But by season two, it's more or less the look that we're familiar with for the rest of the series. 
the blue clock makes its first appearance on the back wall. And like I mentioned before, there's now one payphone instead of two. We also see the exterior of Monks for the first time in the season two premiere episode, The Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, yeah. The establishing shot. Of, yeah. Uh, the real Tom's restaurant. Yeah. New York. Right. Which we've been to many times. Definitely. We actually went there for Festivus one year and Adam brought his uh, Festivus pole. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I think he dragged it on the floor like Frank when we walked in. Yes, I did. Much to the <laughs> chagrin of uh, people that own it. I know. Everyone was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, I had this giant pole just sitting next to the table. I'm like, can I put this somewhere, please? Because <laughs> the real Tom's restaurant, if you should definitely go visit it. It's on Broadway and 112th in New York. And it's definitely worth the visit. They do have some Seinfeld stuff up on the walls. But don't expect it to look anything like the actual monks from the tv show you know that was just a set you know they just use the outside and it's kind of funny because if you look at the outside of the real tom's restaurant it doesn't quite work from the interior shots that we see of monks but eh, it's all right yeah i think jerry and jason filmed a super bowl commercial there like eight years ago so if you want to get an idea of what the actual restaurant looks like you could take a look at a clip from that commercial that's and i think we sat in the same booth actually oh yeah that's right but getting back to season two uh the episode the phone message jerry and george are sitting at the counter and that's the first time we see any of them sit at the counter can you think of some other counter scenes that come to mind well one of my favorites is in the pledge drive of course when elaine is sitting there with uh noreen they're talking about dan and you know she's like He's bald. I know that's a guy thing. <laughs> I know he belches a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then Noreen gets served her cookie and starts eating it with a knife and fork. <laughs> uh, classic. Oh, love it. Well, another classic moment that took place at the counter is this scene from the iconic season eight episode, The Bizarro Jerry. She had man hands. <laughs> man hands? The hands of a man. It's like a creature out of Greek mythology. I mean, she was like part woman, part horrible beast. Would you prefer it if she had no hands at all? Would she have hooks? <laughs> do, uh, do hooks make it more attractive, Jerry? Kind of cool looking. What about in the beginning of the visa when George is talking to Cheryl Fong? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that scene when Cheryl's just sitting there at the counter and she's like, yeah, I cover everything, you know, divorce, patents, immigration and naturalization. What is that? The immigrants come over, you show them how to act natural. She thinks that's hysterical. <laughs> Are your friends as funny as you? No, no, uh, no funny friends. Uh, I'm the funny one. El Clowno. <laughs> <laughs> we also can't forget Newman sitting at the counter when he sees Kramer as the turkey. All right. <laughs> also, the couple of times he walks up to the counter. Pair of bear clothes, please. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Elaine also has some scenes at the counter, and it always seems like she's venting to people. There's that scene in the shower head after she tested positive for opium. How could I have tested positive twice? Once I can understand, that's a mistake, but twice? Yeah, it's hard to figure. I mean, I've lost my job. I can't go to Africa. I was going to beat the Bushmen of the Kalahari. 
Bob the Bushman? And the Bush women. And that guy is just like, I notice you're eating a poppy seed muffin. <laughs> yeah, I eat these muffins all the time. Well, you know what opium's made out of? Poppies! <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned it a little bit before, but Elaine's also venting at the counter after the English patient when she's like, those sex scenes. I mean, please, give me something I can use. Well, I liked it. Hey, you forgot my piece of pie. Hello? You know, sex in a tub, that doesn't work. <laughs> I wonder if you ordered a slice of apple pie, considering it's the best apple pie in the city, according to Jerry. Yeah. And you mentioned that scene at the counter with Elaine and Noreen when Noreen's cutting up her cookie. But there's also in the next episode, the Chinese woman, when Noreen tells Elaine that Paul was convinced that she was having an affair because someone kept calling up and hanging up whenever he answered. What kind of a sick person calls and hangs up over and over? Well, I don't know about sick. I mean, maybe it was somebody who didn't want to talk to whoever was answering because whoever was answering was always making boring chit chat and was completely oblivious to the fact that the person who was calling didn't want to speak to them. <laughs> <laughs> Just puts Noreen giving that face. Yeah. I can't believe that was you. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Noreen. So you thought he was boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the bottle deposit, there's that great montage of Kramer Newman collecting the bottles and cans for them to bring to Michigan. And we see Kramer sitting there at the counter and, you know, he's just minding his own business, eating something. The waitress puts down the tray of bottles and he just kind of uh, sort of making it obvious, but, you know, trying to be as discreet as possible, dumping them into his bag. Oh, yeah. Love that scene. Isn't George sitting at the counter when Danielle mistakes him for Neil? Yeah, I think so. Because I think that's when the waitress is like, here's your halibut omelet. Surprised? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And there are obviously other counter scenes that we're forgetting, but I think our favorite moment is this classic scene from The Maid. Jerry, you wouldn't believe what it's like down there. Taxi cab drivers are insane. You know, everybody is in a hurry. Look, I, I can't eat with you leaning over like this. Just look straight forward. Well, now I can't see Jerry. I look about the same. What? I was talking to him. What? Never mind. Oh, what do you say? Never mind. Jerry. Well, what'd you say? What? <laughs> where'd you go? Go back. Yeah. Well, what'd you say? I said never mind. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I hate the counter. Hey. Hey. I hate the counter. Now, who's that? Well, I got a 212 number from this little old lady in my building, Mrs. Krantz. Oh, she didn't mind? No, she died. Hey, that's great. What happened to Mrs. Krantz? Elaine got a new number because she died. Newman died? <laughs> Some new kind of pie. I'll try it, please. All right, who's down there? Hey, there's a booth. Hey, Elaine. Oh, hi. Did you hear about Newman? What? <laughs> that's such a great scene, and... I think we've talked about it before, how they commented on certain things in season nine that they never really spoke about in the first eight seasons of the show. You know, the fact that they hate the counter or that Jerry doesn't really use his bike. It's just for show. Right. <laughs> or when Jerry points to their usual table and he's just like, how about this one? 
Yeah. <laughs> I also like when Jerry is telling George about Gwen, the Two-Face. And he tells him that the only place she really looked good was in that back booth over there. We just keep bringing her here. This is all you really need. You can't just keep bringing her to the coffee shop. What if things, you know, progress? Lights out. All right, I'll give it a shot. I do really like this coffee shop. <laughs> uh, more loyalty to the coffee shop than a woman. Gotta love it. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about the look of monks. We already mentioned the blue clock on the back wall and the payphone in the back. There's also the menu on the back wall on the left side, which a lot of the crew members had fun changing the words around throughout the series. And Norman Brenner, who was Michael Richards' stand-in, posted a picture of the menu on his Instagram page. And I sent you the picture, Adam. Can you make out what any of the names are? The first one I can make out is Grilled Bitch Burger. <laughs> I see that. I see Chicken Oriental X-Lax. <laughs> <laughs> Nasal Drip Jello. Vegetable Barf Crap Chowder. <laughs> Spit Pea Soup. Super Brown. <laughs> Hot Feces or Tea. <laughs> Butt fudge in the face. <laughs> Fresh norm juice. Ice turd. Yeah, and uh, tapioca puke. So it seems like they were having a lot of fun with that menu. Oh, that's great. Some of the other things I noticed, there's a no check sign near the register, which I just love. I feel like you'll never see that today. Oh, yeah. And there's a red sign next to the door that has the hours of the restaurant listed. And the hours are more or less the same each day, but it says that they're closed on Sunday, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And it's a little inconsistent, too, because there's that great scene in the junk mail. Kramer's talking about how he was standing in front of the post office and he comes into Monk's after and Jerry and George are there. And he says that, you know, he stood in front of the post office protesting all day. Nobody went in and Jerry's nodding and he goes, it's Sunday. But if Monk's is closed on Sunday, how is he there? He must be at the nexus of the universe. <laughs> There's also a picture of a baseball field behind the booth that they usually sit in, which I believe is a picture of the old Yankee Stadium. And that stays there for most of the series. Another thing I noticed, this is very random, but if you watch the episode The Secretary, at one point, Jerry and George are near the register and there's a picture of Ruthie on the wall with two other people. And then if we fast forward to the next season in the episode The Cadillac, that picture is in George's apartment on the table next to his couch of Ruthie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that. That's great. Yeah. You got to check it out tonight. Yeah. Now I mentioned the payphone earlier. The first time we actually see them use the payphone is in the keys. Jerry calls Elaine because he's locked out of his apartment and needs his spare keys. Yeah. I always found that fascinating. It's just that great little detail that Jerry's locked out of his apartment and, you know, he doesn't really have anywhere else to go. You know, where's he going to go? He could, I guess he could go to his car maybe, but I'll just decide let's go right to the coffee shop. You know, I'm there all the time anyway, you know, I'm not going to care if I sit there for a while, if I have to make some calls. Like, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Kind of a nice little, almost like semi sentimental moment, you know, where Jerry has nowhere to go. So he has to go to the coffee shop. It's kind of like his cheers. Jerry also uses the phone in the outing when he's trying to get in touch with Sharon Leonard. Of course. And him and George race to the phone in, uh, I think it's the pitch or the ticket, one of those two. 
Um, yeah, in that in that block. Yeah, that's oh, that's a great thing. Can you think of any other times that any of them use the payphone? How about when he calls Marissa Tomei? Ah, of course. I just got off the phone, Marissa Tomei, and I wasn't even nervous. You know, I can't even remember calling a woman without being nervous. Usually I'm pacing all over the room. I write down things to say. Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. (laughs) (laughs) And I also mentioned that Jerry uses the payphone in the foundation when he's telling George that his widower story tested through the roof. And George uses the payphone in the Andrea Doria when he tells Jerry that the tenant association has decided to hear his side of the story. That's right. (laughs) Now, getting back to the look of monks, I noticed there's a row of free postcards along the back wall near the men's bathroom. And those first appeared in the season seven episode, The Wigmaster. I'm not sure if these facts are interesting to anyone, but these are just some things I noticed from watching the show. Interesting to us. That's all that matters. Right. (laughs) Now, let's talk about some of the things that they ordered at Monk's. We already mentioned that Newman got the bear claws. Elaine obviously gets the big salad. What are some other ones? Well, George, his usual, we found out, was tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yep. And then later he changed his chicken salad on rye, untoasted, with a side of potato salad, and a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) I also noticed Kramer gets a milkshake a lot. Not every day. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, one point George orders the Clams Casino. <laughs> Chef recommends. <laughs> mm, tastes a little funky. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Monk's is definitely one of those places where, you know, I think we kind of talked about it in Babu's episode where there are certain restaurants that try to do a little bit of everything. And there are certain dishes that are probably safe to order at Monk's, like their sandwiches and soups are probably fine. But once you venture off into things like seafood and probably, you know, more ethnic dishes, it's probably not as uh, as, as safe to try. Yeah. And like you mentioned before, Jerry says that they have the best apple pie in the city. Jerry also orders egg salad a lot and um, tuna as well. The whole concept of lunch is based on tuna. Yeah. <laughs> All of the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> what about other tables that they sat at besides the two booths? I know we mentioned the counter already, but they also sat in the booth behind the cashier a bunch of times. Well, they sit there uh, in the pitch and the ticket when they're hiding from Crazy Joe Devola, And that's another great counter scene that we forgot to mention where the cop is actually sitting at the counter. Jerry walks up and he says, you know. Uh, you know, can, uh, can you just walk me outside till I get to a cab? And he's like, oh, yeah, all right, let me just get a muffin. Then he's looking at the menu and he's ordering a sandwich and coffee. You know, a muffin can be very filling. <laughs> what about the booth further down in like the right corner? I think the first time we see one of them sit there is in the couch when George is in the book club. Oh, yes. Well, not really. After all, she did get together with George Papad. I mean, Fred. George, Fred's gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's also where uh, Miss Cooltoe sits, the one that never talks to anybody that uh, Gary Fogel talks to after brimming with confidence from the toupee. Oh, yeah, she doesn't talk to anybody. Well, she's talking to Blue Streak now, Jack. <laughs> but I think my favorite scene that took place at that table, and I think you mentioned it a little bit already, was in the abstinence when George is reading the book and 
Elena's like, George? And he holds up the finger, yeah. <laughs> of course. Absolute zero. <laughs> but I think they've pretty much sat everywhere. Oh, yeah. I did notice the only time they sit on the other side of the divider next to the booth that they normally sit in is in the Pez Dispenser episode. Yes, and I remember you pointing that out to me one time, and that was kind of a mind blow. Yeah, it's weird to see it. Yeah. Yeah, like I wonder why they made that decision or if there was something, because that means that on the other side that either there's more seating or there's just like a whole other part to the restaurant. Yeah, and if you're curious, it's around the 11-minute mark in the Pez Dispenser episode. But it doesn't really add up, because when we see the fourth wall in the foundation, there's just a wall there. There's no extra tables. Exactly. Something's missing. Something's missing, all right. (laughs) Another thing I found interesting was how late into the series a lot of the recurring characters first appeared at Monk's. Especially, like, Jerry and George's parents. Oh, yeah. Like, the first time Frank appears at Monks isn't until the season six episode, The Chinese Woman. That's right. And he's pontificating about the mosquitoes and gnats and queens as opposed <laughs> to Manhattan. <laughs> you know what I like about Manhattan? There's no mosquitoes. <laughs> Plenty of mosquitoes. Queens is full of mosquitoes. So, Dad, gnats, too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Dad, I heard you were in the city the other day. Your mother has to tell you every move I make. <laughs> Jerry and Elaine saw you. They didn't say hello? No, they were in a rush. They couldn't just say hello? Oh, the hell with them. They uh, said you were with some guy who was wearing a cape. Elaine, I can see, not saying hello. She's very, what's the word, uh, supercilious. <laughs> How could Jerry not say hello? <laughs> I love at the end of that, George is kind of like looking around to like see if anybody's paying attention. Yeah, I feel like there were a bunch of times at Monk's where one of them yelled something and everyone in the restaurant looked over at them. I think the first time was in Mail on Bonding when Joel is like, I always tell everybody about you, tell everybody to go see your show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So cringe. Yeah. Yeah, then a little later in the ex-girlfriend, there's also the thing when George starts choking. He's like, I swallowed a fly. What what could happen? And it's just like looking at that random guy sitting with the table. Uh, what about when George is like, it's smart. It's a smart line and a smart crowd will appreciate it. And I'm not going to dumb it down for some bonehead mass audience. Not you. <laughs> we also can't forget, what is wrong with all you people? Have you all gone mad? Yes. <laughs> There's also uh, oh, the wonderful scene in the doll when George is eating <laughs> with his quote-unquote mother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me how to eat. You're wearing that shirt? You've had it for five years already. Why don't you buy a new shirt? I like this one. <laughs> How about when Sarah Silverman was like, so you enjoy the lovemaking? Kramer's like, shh, oh, yeah, like strawberry pie. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the great scene in the Andrea Doria talking about uh, Frank and Estelle, but now we have the two of them together. (laughs) And and, and George is like, so uh, I was hoping you could just tell me about my childhood. I feel a draft. Let's change tables. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what's interesting about that scene is that – they give him bread. 
That's I think it's the only time we ever see a basket of bread at Monk's. That's definitely the only time. Yeah, I always yeah. found that very odd. Yeah, I don't know why they made that choice. The only excuse I could think of is it's around the holidays, so maybe like they change it up for the holidays, but I, I can't maybe. remember. That's the only thing I'd come up with. I also like when they yell at random strangers at Monk's. Like you mentioned it already when George is swallowing a fly. But there's also when George is like, Diane DeCon remembered my name. She was the it girl. Oh, and also, how could we forget that? Hey, we're twins. <laughs> what? Our shirts, they're the same. <laughs> oh, imagine that. What about in the library when Jerry grabs that guy and he was like, it was George. <laughs> oh, that's great, too. Yeah. <laughs> now, getting back to some of the other family members who made their first appearance at Monk's. We mentioned Frank already, but Estelle's first appearance was in the Fusilli Jerry. And this is one of my all-time favorite Estelle scenes. Hey, look at that. They got lobster on the menu. <laughs> Who would order a lobster here? I mean, do they bring a lobster in every day hoping today's the day? <laughs> so what if they have a lobster? Suddenly you're a shellfish connoisseur? You know, I think we really need to be in front of a television set. You take TV out of this relationship, it's just torture. So... I'm getting an eye job. An eye job? Ma, you don't need an eye job. Georgie, I'm a divorcee. No, you're not a divorcee. You're just separated. You're, you're a separate Well, I'm out there, no, George. you're not out there. I am, too. You're not out there. You can't be, because I am out there. And if I see you out there, there's not enough voltage in this world to electroshock me back into coherence. <laughs> oh, she's so perfect in that scene. Oh, I love it. And just that line that George has, mm, one of my favorite all-time George lines. Yeah, great scene. Another great first appearance at Monk's was Uncle Leo in the showerhead. Hard to believe it wasn't until season seven that he made his first appearance there. It's about time you called your uncle. We got to do this once a week. Once a week? <laughs> oh, look at this. I told them medium rare. It's medium I bet that cook is an anti-Semite. He doesn't even know you. They don't just overcook a hamburger, Jerry. But the moment I really love is this scene later on when Jerry is trying to convince Uncle Leo to move back in with Lydia. Move back with Lydia? Come on, you're lucky to have anybody. <laughs> Last week you told me I was in my prime. I should be swinging. Swinging? What are you, out of your mind? Look at you, you're disgusting. You're, you're bald, you're paunchy, all kinds of sounds are emanating from your body 24 hours a day. If there's a woman that can take your presence for more than 10 consecutive seconds, you should hang on to her like grim death, which is not far off, by the way. But she's an anti-Semite. Can you blame her? <laughs> oh, man. I love that. Oh, what a line. I also love Uncle Leo's scene at Monk's in the bookstore when he's like, will somebody answer that damn phone? Yes. <laughs> when he's explaining to Jerry, <laughs> we all do it. Criminals, senior citizens. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I'm pretty sure the only time that Morty and Helen appear at Monk's is in the Van Buren boys when Jerry flies them up to meet Ellen. That's right. Yeah. Now, before Troy joins us to discuss some of our favorite coffee moments from the series, we asked our listeners on Instagram and Twitter to tell us some of your favorite moments that took place at Monks. 
And we won't be able to list all the answers, of course, because there were so many, but we'll go over the top 10 answers. A lot of the one-on-one scenes with Jerry and George kind of dominated the list, so no real surprises there. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. But it's the great Frank Costanza who will be starting off our countdown. So here it is. This is what our listeners voted as the 10th best moment that took place at Monk's. Well, happy Festivus. What is that? Is that the poll? George, Festivus is your heritage. It's part of who you are. That's why I hate it. It's a big dinner Tuesday night at Frank's house. Everyone's invited. George, you're forgetting how much Festivus has meant to us all. I brought one of the cassette tapes. Read that poll. I can't read it. I need my glasses. You don't need glasses. You're just weak. You're weak. Leave him alone. All right, George. It's time for the Festivus Feats of Strength. Oh, no. Turn it off. No Feats of Strength. I can't Festivus. We had some good times. One of the things I love about that scene is... In one of the interviews that Jerry Stiller did for the DVDs, he talked about how right before he entered Monks, Michael Richards told him, like, just drag the pole along the floor while you walk in. You know, it'll be funnier that way. And he was right about that. Absolutely. And Jason did such a great job just reacting in that moment. Yeah. But coming in at number nine is a moment we talked about earlier. It's the scene in the stall when Elaine takes all the toilet paper from Jane. Of course. Wait a minute. I know you. That's right, honey. And I know you. (laughs) (laughs) And if any of our listeners can think of another scene that took place in the bathroom at Monks, email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com and let us know, because that's the only one we could think of. But coming in at number eight on the list is a classic Jerry and George scene. This is from the deal when Jerry tells George that he slept with Elaine. Oh, yes. How could we forget that? (laughs) You asked me here to have lunch. Tell me you slept with Elaine and then you're not in the mood for details. Now you listen to me. I want details and I want them right now. I don't have a job. I have no place to go. You're not in the mood. Well, you get in the mood. (laughs) (laughs) That entire scene is just fantastic. Oh, just pure gold. Yeah, that's a great pick by the listeners. Number seven on the list is another classic Jerry and George moment. This is from the opening scene in the engagement when Jerry is like, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. (laughs) We're pathetic. You know that? Yes. Like, I don't know that I'm pathetic. (laughs) And that's really a significant scene because that's kind of a turning point in the series. Yeah. Any other show, it would have been the point where the characters really started to grow and mature. Of course, it's Seinfeld, so that doesn't happen, thank God. Absolutely. It's kind of the beginning of the end for George. (laughs) Right. Or really, Susan, if you want to get technical. (laughs) (laughs) But coming in at number six is another classic opening scene. This one is from the mango when Jerry is talking to George and he's like, you straightening up or you cleaning? You do the tub? Yeah. On your knees, Ajax, scrubbing, the whole deal? Yeah. I think you're in love. Tub is love. Tub is love. 
And then I also like when George is like, just one little problem. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've never really felt confident in one particular aspect. Below the equator? Yeah. (laughs) Nobody does. Just close your eyes. You hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) And then George talks about how he got the tap. (laughs) Oh, that was one of my favorite trivia questions. What does George compare the tap to? The manager coming out and asking for the ball. (laughs) Uh, Of course. But George says to Jerry that he thinks everything else is okay, unless, of course, she's faking. Elaine overhears this as she's approaching the table. And what happens next is the reason why our listeners voted this the number six best moment that took place at Monk's. Who's faking? Nothing. Faking what? Nobody's faking. (gasps) Orgasm? She's not faking. How do you know? I know. I can tell. It's one of my powers. Why'd you have a fake? Of course. Really? You fake? On occasion. And the guy never knows? Yeah. How can he not know that? Because I was good. I guess after that many beers, he's probably a little groggy anyway. (laughs) You didn't know. Are you saying I think I'll have a piece of cake with me? Well, you faked with me? Yeah. You faked with me? Yes. No. Yes. You faked it. I faked it. That whole thing, the whole production, it was all an act. Not bad, huh? What about the breathing, the panting, the moaning, the screaming? Fake, 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 fake. I'm stunned. I'm shocked. How many times did you do this? All the time. All the time. They're going to have a chocolate moat in here. Oh, I'm so good. I'm sure you are. Jerry, listen, it wasn't you. I just didn't have them back then. She faked. <laughs> Maybe they've all been faking. I'm sure they're not. Maybe Karen is faking. Uh, definitely one of my favorite Elaine moments. Oh, Totally. You don't get much better than that. All right, so now we're getting into the top five moments that took place at Monk's. This is another opening scene. We've had the engagement, the mango, and now coming in at number five is, of course, the opposite. One of the best episodes of the series, and this entire scene really is just brilliant. So many great moments, but I think the reason it's in the top five is because of the classic line, my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. (laughs) I'm Victoria. Hi. (laughs) But you also have the great line by Jerry. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. (laughs) Even when George walks in in the beginning and he's like, I went to the beach like, oh, the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I think my favorite might be chickens out the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna because salmon swim against the current and the tuna swim with it. Well, good for the tune. (laughs) And then coming in at number four is another classic. This is one of my favorite Jerry and George moments from the series. Why don't they have salsa on the table? What do you need salsa for? Salsa is now the number one condiment in America. Do you know why? Because people like to say salsa. (laughs) 
Excuse me, do you have any salsa? We need more salsa. Where's the salsa? No salsa. You know, it must be impossible for a Spanish person to order salsa and not get salsa. I wanted salsa, not salsa. Don't you know the difference between salsa and salsa? You have the salsa after the salsa. See, this should be the show. This is the show. What? This. Just talk. Yeah, right. No, I'm really serious. I think that's a good idea. Just talking? Well, what's the show about? It's about nothing. No story? No, forget the story. You gotta have a story. Who says you gotta have a story? Remember when we were waiting for, for that table in that Chinese restaurant that time? That could be a TV show. And who's on the show? Who are the characters? I could be a character. You? Yeah, you base a character on me. So on the show, there's a character named George Costanza? Yeah. What, there's something wrong with that? I'm a character. People are always saying to me, you know, you're quite a character. And who else is on the show? Elaine could be a character. Kramer. Now, he's a character. <laughs> so everybody I know is a character on the show. Right. And it's about nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you're saying I go into NBC and tell them I got this idea for a show about nothing. We go into NBC. We? Since when are you a writer? What writer? We're talking about a sitcom. <laughs> you want to go with me to NBC? Yeah, I think we really got something here. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. So we go into NBC, we tell them we got an idea for a show about nothing. Exactly. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. Number three on the list is another Jerry and George moment. This scene is from the race when George is pretending he hasn't seen Jerry since high school. What do you do a lot of that? Do you ever notice kind of stuff? Boy, you really went bald there, didn't you? And we talked about the scene already in our episode about Jerry's best George insults, but just an amazing moment and love the back and forth with Jerry and George. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Just seeing these two guys that are basically saying what they really want to say about each other <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> My favorite part is when George is walking out, like he forgot the whole reason he was there. And Jerry's like, oh, George, George, because I haven't seen you so long. <laughs> exactly now the top two moments were very close and they're two of the most popular episodes from the series but the number two moment is another classic opening scene and this of course is from the contest when george is like my mother caught me gotcha doing what <laughs> you know i was alone <laughs> And that scene is a lot like the opening scene of The Opposite. Just almost every line is just perfect. Yeah, except uh, in The Opposite, you only have three of them. In the contest, you have all four, which makes it even better. That's a great point. And there was only one other moment that could top that opening scene from the contest. So here it is, the number one moment that took place at Monks, according to our listeners. The sea was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> Like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. I got about 50 feet out and suddenly 
the great beast appeared before me. I tell you, he was ten stories high if he was a foot. As if sensing my presence, he let out a great bellow. I said, easy, big fella. And then, as I watched him struggling, I realized that something was obstructing its breathing. From where I was standing, I could see directly into the eye of the great fish. Mammal. Whatever. Well, what did you do next? Well, then, from out of nowhere, a huge tidal wave lifted me, tossed me like a cork, and I found myself right on top of him, face to face with the blowhole. I, I, I could barely see from the waves crashing down upon me, but I knew something was there. So I reached my hand in, felt around, and pulled out the obstruction. Jason Alexander at his best right there. Oh, you ain't kidding. (laughs) Well, we want to thank all our listeners who voted. There were so many great responses that we got. We won't be able to list all of them, of course, but we'll mention a few that almost made the top 10. The first moment is from the classic season six episode, The Switch, when Jerry and George are trying to figure out the roommate switch. The point is, I intend on to take this and I'll do it with or without you. So if you're scared, if you haven't got the stomach for this, let's get it out right now. And I'll go on my own. If not, you can get on board and we can get to work. Now, what's it going to be? All right, damn it, I'm in. (laughs) Couldn't do it without you. And I just love that montage that they have in the coffee shop when (laughs) George just slides the check over to Jerry. Oh, great move. (laughs) By the way, I noticed that Jerry's eating an apple pie in that scene. There you go. The next moment is from the Cheever letters when... Jerry is telling George about the dirty talking and he whispers it to him and George squirts the ketchup. (laughs) That is dirty. That is absolutely filthy. (laughs) Another moment that almost made the top 10 is Banya's first appearance in the soup. Went from size 40 to a 42. Damn huge. I wonder if Banya goes to monks because they go there and he wants to be close to Jerry and he knows that's where he goes all the time. (laughs) That's a good point. Another moment is from the doodle when George shows up to monks draped in velvet. That's right. We just had sex. (laughs) This was a good pick. We also got a few responses from that scene in the outing when Sharon Leonard is eavesdropping on them. Oh, yeah. You know, just because you two are homosexuals, so what? I mean, you should just come out of the closet and be openly gay already. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, there's another great little scene in the subway when George comes walking in with the bedsheet wrapped around him. Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna! (laughs) (laughs) What about in the pool guy when George shows up at Monk's and Susan's at the table with Jerry, Kramer, and Elaine and George is like, one, two, three, four. (laughs) (laughs) Ha-ha! Wonderful. Another response we got was from the Keys when Kramer is talking to George and he's like, you have a woman? You have any prospects? You have any conceivable reason for even getting up in the morning? I like to get the daily news. 
<laughs> there were also a lot of responses we got that we already discussed in the episode about Jerry's best George insults. So I won't repeat those again. But those were some of the other responses that we received. I was surprised, though, two of my favorite moments weren't mentioned. The first is in the Bubble Boy when the Bubble Boy's dad is sitting with Jerry and Elaine and he's like, we have sacrificed everything all for the sake of our little Bubble Boy. Excuse me. Oh, Jerry. no. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine's crying and, you know, she gives a napkin to Jerry and he just wipes his mouth. Oh, perfect. Wonderful. But the other moment that no one said that I love is from the Junior Mint when Jerry says, all right, all right, just let me finish my coffee. And then we'll watch him go slice his fat bastard up. (laughs) (laughs) And not only is that one of my favorite scenes that took place at Monk's, but it's also one of my favorite coffee moments as well. And that's a great segue because since we're on the subject of Monk's, before we go, we're going to discuss some of our favorite coffee moments from the series with our friend Troy. And he's here with us now. Thank you for being with us, Troy. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is uh, super exciting. We're huge fans of the show and we totally enjoy listening to you guys. It's like listening to like the two voices in my, the two Seinfeld voices in my brain that go back and forth quoting each other. Like listening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we love having fans on. Uh, So before we get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you first got into Seinfeld? Yeah, so we run a coffee roasting company, uh, Soul Brewed Coffee Roasters, out in uh, Fall Creek, Wisconsin. So just east of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is in the western part of the state. Really cool, cool area and very awesome people over here. And it's a beautiful area as well. I started watching Seinfeld like 20 years ago now. Yeah, and, and as a lot of Seinfeld people or Seinfeld lovers can attest to, we all have that moment that we go back to that, you know, originally won us over. And I remember the exact, you know, moment where I first fell in love with the show. And it's just special to think about that. And it's a special show that way. So what was the Seinfeld moment that won you over? It was in, it was the Good Samaritan, I believe. And Kramer is having seizures to Mary Hart. And I'm not kidding. We were flipping through the channels. I was at a friend. I was like sleeping over at a friend's house and we're just flipping through the channels. And there's Kramer having just incredibly violent seizures on that table. And I, I lost it. I mean, I, it might still be the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Just the, the total, the total commitment to physical comedy there just blew me away uh and that's a great blooper too if you watch the bloopers for that scene uh jerry and julia they they just can't keep it together he was doing it for so long that's i mean he's got to be sore after that and also jason directed that episode so and he talked about how chaotic it was directing kramer doing that stuff and like he was like oh go all out he didn't think michael was gonna go that far i just love yeah yeah, but after that, uh, it's, I don't know, it's a kind of a funny story. I went, I at that moment, I remembered that there was a DVD of season one and two in, like, the bargain bin at the grocery store down the road. And I was, like, 
13 at the time and I didn't have any money. So I actually maybe shoplifted it. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, I would kind of get them from the mall at a store uh, off the clearance rack whenever they would show up. I would just buy a season. And so I definitely didn't watch it at first in any sort of like chronological order at all. It was all over the place just as I could watch it. So I don't know when I actually first watched Seinfeld all the way through, but that's kind of how it went for me. And that's still my my choice for watching Seinfeld is on those DVDs. Yeah, that's honestly the best way. Yeah. All right, Troy, so we'll let you start us off. Uh, what's the first coffee moment you'd like to discuss with us? Yeah, so, and you know, it's kind of funny that this, I believe today is the anniversary I saw on the internet that it's the anniversary for the pilot show. And the first moment I want to talk about is from that, that episode right off, you know, in the first scene where Claire, uh, the waitress says decaf left regular, right. Cause George apparently can't have caffeine there. So, and that's just, I think they maybe unknowingly the writers kind of established a theme you know, right away through the whole series that, you know, coffee is going to be in this thing in some way, shape or form, basically in every single episode. Oh, yeah. I love that you started off with that moment, you know, because it's obviously the first coffee moment we see and it's so memorable. And I thought Claire did a great job in that scene. Honestly, I know she had some trouble with Larry David. She maybe made some suggestions to him that he didn't like. And (laughs) I think she was sort of going to be the fourth character and then they changed that obviously when Mm. julia came aboard but um yeah i always enjoyed that scene and i always thought she was great in that scene yeah absolutely and how appropriate is it to yeah start the series off with just having coffee Mm -hmm. and uh sort of seeing the neuroses of george you know his character the germ of uh, the george costanza character really coming out there And also, yeah, that's what I was thinking about is how important coffee really is throughout the whole series. And I'm sure, you know, we'll get to it, but there's obviously a major reason why we're doing this episode and why there's just so many memorable moments that revolve around coffee or coffee products. Mm -hmm. Decaf left, regular right. Decaf left, regular right. Very challenging work. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I gave him a little caffeine. (laughs) I knew I felt something. (laughs) what about you adam what's uh the first moment you got well the first one on my list is kramer's cafe lattes um that's why i kind of said coffee or coffee products because technically it's what is a half milk half coffee you know (laughs) but that just becomes such a benchmark and you know is satirizing something that actually did happen in the 90s where the woman sued mcdonald's because she spilled the hot coffee on her. But obviously this is done in a much more comedic way. Um, And just seeing Kramer, you know, all hopped up on the caffeine, you know, racing down the street, you know, I I can have as many cafe lattes as I want. So it's right here. If you don't give me the cafe lattes, I'm going to get my little Jackie Childs. They're going to be real trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That shot of him walking down the street, adjusting his tie, (laughs) just like almost sprinting down the sidewalk. Michael was just fantastic in that scene so funny you can't put a limit on my cafe lattes it says so right here and i don't want to get dirty looks when i come in here if i want a cafe latte you give me a cafe latte and if i have any problems i want to get my lawyer jackie charles down here you're going to be in really big trouble 
Hey, 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 slow down, Eddie. What, what's the matter? Uh, they're making faces at me because I've had a couple of cafe lattes, but I'm entitled to them. I can have as many cafe lattes as I want. That was the settlement. That's it? That's it. What, you want one, George? I can get one for you. No problem. Jerry, you want one? They're delicious. My pleasure. You've got to stop it. You're, you're all hopped up on the caffeine. Well, I feel like I'm talking a little faster, but it's very hard to tell. You're racing. Well, well I got things to do. I'll see you later. Bye. I love even before that scene, too, when Kramer's talking to Jackie and Jackie's like, do we have a chance? You get me one coffee drinker on that, Jerry. You're going to walk out of there, rich man. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer also has that great line. Hey, I've been drinking cafe latte since the fifth grade and I haven't looked back. <laughs> <laughs> since the fifth grade. <laughs> hey, baby, I set the trends. <laughs> Isn't it also so funny how he says cafe latte? Oh, yeah. There's certain words that Michael Richards says that's just brilliant, like uh, California. (laughs) Theater. (laughs) Yes, theater. Alex Theater. Well, actually, he says it in that episode. He says they don't allow outside drinks into the movie theater Mm -hmm. when he's in Jackie's office. So all ties in. Well, one moment I love, and I think we touched on it before, is in the phone message when George doesn't go up for coffee at 12 o'clock at night. She invites me up at 12 o'clock at night for coffee, and I don't go up. No, thank you. I don't want coffee. It keeps me up. I said this to her. People, this stupid shouldn't be allowed to live. (laughs) Yeah, and I think Eric and I have always talked about how wonderful that episode is and how underrated it is too and oh the coffee line you know everybody can relate to that just not being able to read a signal and you know again using coffee as that nucleus Mm -hmm. and it is quite the mystery i mean maybe she maybe she was talking about coffee who knows coffee's not coffee coffee is sex (laughs) (laughs) of course we can't forget the back and forth with Bookman and Jerry in the library. You got any coffee? Coffee. Yeah, coffee. No, I don't drink coffee. You don't drink any coffee? How about instant coffee? <laughs> it's just I love that ping pong that they have. Yeah. That is such strong writing. Such strong writing. And that tracks to actually a moment that I have written down from the contest where, you know, Jerry and George, their nerves are on edge from not uh, from being a master of their domains. And George is yelling. He's like, what, what, all you have is instant coffee. Why don't you get some real coffee? He's like, I don't drink real coffee in here. I, I get my coffee on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I get my coffee on the outside. That's a funny line. Isn't that, that's so brilliant. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Troy? What's the next moment you got? Yeah, the next one I wanted to talk about uh, something that we, you know, having served coffee to a lot of people by now over the last seven years is when Elaine treats George to the, the pound of the Arabian mocha Java and George totally misinterprets that as Elaine sticking it to her, that she makes more money than he does. That is something that we have seen a lot is how people react differently to people doing that for them. Some people really do take it the wrong way. They misinterpret it as like a a side hand (laughs) insult or a backhand insult. She's sticking it to me, Jerry. George. 
Jerry says, and you misinterpret this how. (laughs) (laughs) She's sticking it to me. She makes more money than I do. (laughs) I love how over the top George is after where he's like taking him out to dinner with the Seinfelds. And he's like, Elaine, thank you for the Arabian mocha java and pulls out the giant coffee maker. (laughs) I I wonder how much a pound of coffee cost back back then. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that line from Elaine. It's PLO blend. (laughs) That's a hidden gem, boy. Yeah. That Arabian is strong coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And going back to Kramer, we talked about his cafe lattes. There's also when he visits Dr. Reston and he asks for a decaf cappuccino. Oh, yes. I absolutely love that line. Yeah. That whole scene. Well, it's a very popular drink. Yeah, Troy, I'm sure having to serve the public, you've had your fair share of odd requests, you know, out of place requests. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a lot of non-dairy creamers right now. All of the options for creamers now, that's what people are people are requesting. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a funny thing for Seinfeld to riff on if they were around today doing the show. Oh, absolutely. Coconut milk, soy milk, chocolate milk. <laughs> I just want my milk from the cow, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, coffee was actually a big subject with Kramer. There's, of course, in the Cigar Store Indian when he says, hey, you know what would make a great coffee table book? A coffee table book about coffee tables. <laughs> <laughs> History of coffee tables, celebrities and their coffee tables. This is a story that must be told. I just love how that's like a season long story arc with Kramer. Like when we see him working with Toby and she's like, oh, look at this one. It's saying I'm a coffee table. Put some coffee on me. Oh, the hotter, the better. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) I'd like to put some coffee on her. Hot, scalding coffee right in her face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, actually, so if we're going to go off of uh, Kramer real quick, Kramer's coffee table book, of course, one of the moments that I love that I had written down is at the very end of that arc when he goes on Regis and Kathy Lee and he spits uh, out the coffee everywhere. Uh, amazing. That's true. That's kind of ironic that he blows it up in that fashion. Yeah, because like it was maybe it was cold or just tasted like crap and he just didn't, you know, didn't like it. So. Reacted that way to cold coffee. Yeah. <laughs> he expected it to be hot. Yeah, coffee's supposed to be hot. Not that hot. (laughs) (laughs) And going back to Toby, I also like when Jerry tells her, you know, a lot of the restaurants are selling brewed decaf now. (laughs) (laughs) And that reminds me, like, there's a lot of coffee jokes that are like the punchline on the show, which I love, too. And one moment that comes to mind is in the Bubble Boy when Elaine goes to get Jerry's headshot from the car and Jerry's like, she'll have a cup of coffee and a broiled chicken. Love that. (laughs) Or when George is offering to pay the bill at Monk's. And he's like, come on, I smashed your car. It cost you over $2,000. Yeah, a cup of coffee should cover it. <laughs> so that's something that's, if I'm correct, it's a bit inconsistent in the in the series, whether Jerry can have caffeine or not, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, because the morning thunder. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. It'd be pretty early in the series. Jerry doesn't know morning thunder has caffeine in it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the moment that's the moment that I'm thinking about right there. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he always gets decaf and we just don't know. I mean What about when all the big breasted women were working at Monks and George is like, see the waitresses in there lately? Never had so much coffee in my life. 
Oh, another great line I like is when Newman's like, look, sister, go get yourself a cup of coffee, all right? (laughs) (laughs) That makes me think of a couple times that revolve around Crazy Joe Davola. And one of the times is when Jerry and George are waiting in monks and hiding for the cop to finish up. And then Jerry looks over and he's like, is he having coffee? I think (laughs) he's getting coffee. And they're just so frustrated. (laughs) The other one that I thought of that I absolutely love the scene just because it's so subtly funny is right after Davola kicks Kramer in the head and Newman's helmet saves his life. And he's sitting at, uh, at Monk's and he orders the coffee real quick from the waitress. Just the way he says it too. He's like, yeah, coffee. And then, uh, and then he goes to put the creamer in. This is right after Susan got vomited on. So George is great. Wait a minute. Sniffs it. And then Kramer puts like, he pours it in the coffee and just kind of takes a sip. And is like looking like just look on his face. Oh, Gets me every time. Oh, man. What about when Jerry's like, hey, have you heard the one about the guy in hell with coffee and the donuts? I'll have a coffee and a donut. Yeah. (laughs) Or how about when uh, Joe DiMaggio is dunking his donut? Oh, great one. Yeah. Look, he's dunking. Wow. The Yankee Clipper. Here. (laughs) Yeah. We also can't forget the end of the invitations after Susan dies and George is like, eh, come on, let's uh, get some coffee. And that, of course, comes back in the summer of George when uh, Elaine is like, you want to grab some coffee or <laughs> I can get some coffee. So it's supposed to be the summer of George. Summer of George. It's kind of uh, darkly ironic, too, because another thing I thought of was like the George and Susan moments, you know, when they're just sitting in monks. And they can't think of anything to talk about except shoelaces and it's over coffee. <laughs> it's just, it's so, you know, more coffee. No check. <laughs> <laughs> or how about in the summer of George, uh, Jerry and George are sitting at a cafe that we've never seen before in the series. And I don't think we ever see it again either with the waitress that he asks out to the Tonys. Oh, yeah, oh. that's true. The only other time I can think of that they might have been there is in the Bizarro Jerry. When they're talking about aliens and circuses, and I think that's the only other time I could think of. Yeah, and that's one of the opening scenes, isn't it? Yeah, it's the cold open. Yeah, I liked those cold opens when they, admittedly, I think they're very funny when they, uh, those cold opens instead of Jerry's stand-up stuff. I thought there was some really funny stuff there. Oh, definitely. By the way, doesn't Elaine have a coffee stain that looks like Fidel Castro? Or Art Garfunkel. Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about when Jerry's trying to act mad and he's like, damn it, they gave me cream. I asked for non-fat milk. <laughs> I think they have 1% over there. 1%? I think it's 1% of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> You've been yelling all evening. <laughs> I don't think more flawed is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like when Kramer gives the homeless guy change and the guy's like, hey, that's my coffee. (laughs) Right. Also, one of the best George lines, coffee, too much coffee when he's getting the massage from Raymond. He's saying, oh, "Oh, you're awful tense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, one, we kind of talked about it before, but the thing about when Elaine orders the coffee at Reggie's and she's like, all right, just give me a cup of decaf. It's like, we have Sanka. I actually have a personal connection to Sanka because my great grandmother, who is no longer with us, but she died at 104, 
Wow. Um, yeah. She used to love Sanka, and that's like what she would buy. And like when my mom was living, that's what she would buy for her. And so when my mom started getting into Seinfeld, she's like, oh, San-, she heard that line. She's like, oh, Sanka, you know, your Nana loves that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good connection. Yeah. Well, we can't forget Alex, who was always drinking coffee in Elaine's art history class. I got to tell you, I have a bad association with the name Alex. Bad association? Yeah, in college, I sat next to an Alex in art history, and he was always drinking coffee. And after every sip, he would go, ah. I mean, every two seconds, ah. And he would take like 40 sips. And after every one, ah. I had to drop the class. <laughs> well, I have a, kind of a nice subtle moment from the masseuse where uh, Jerry and George are talking. So, you know, Jody and I, we, you know, we had a good time. And then Jerry kind of hesitates, and George is like, you hesitated. I was blowing on the coffee. And I just love how that's how Jerry tries to get out of it at first, like just going straight for the coffee and just saying, well, let's see if that works. Then finally he just breaks down and has to admit it. Yeah, I love that scene. I also love that scene in the pony remark when they're talking about how funerals make them think of their own mortality and that they don't want to waste any more time. And Elena's like, is this a waste of time? What should we be doing? Can't you have coffee with people? I just feel like that's such a classic Seinfeld scene because that's the type of scene you wouldn't see in a typical sitcom, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's a very meta comment from Elaine, too. Just sitting around talking, having coffee. Like, that's basically what the show is about. Mm-hmm. And I got to say that that's what, you know, coffee is about. Coffee is a very communal thing. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's a great moment to end on because... Not only is that a great coffee moment from the series, but it's also a moment that took place at Monk's. So I love that we came full circle at the end there. But Troy, thank you so much for being a part of our episode today. This was a lot of fun. We hope you had a good time. Yes, yes. Thank you guys for having me on. I mean, this is this was a lot of fun. Um, and what a what a fun way for my Seinfeld world and my coffee world to uh, collide in this way is very special for me. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. And you can follow Troy on Instagram at Soul Brewed Coffee. I also just wanted to mention that we obviously took a break from the interviews this week, but next week for our 75th episode, we'll be back with a brand new interview. And our guest is one of the most beloved Seinfeld characters to ever appear on the show. So we're very excited about that. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. All right, all right. Just let me finish my coffee. I'm going to watch him go slice this fat bastard up. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.